witnesses the world in brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky repeated calls for the West to supply fighter jets to his country during an address to Britain's parliament. Ukraine's Western allies have so far refused to send jets, though Britain said it will train Ukrainian pilots. Mr. Zelensky also met Britain's Prime Minister, Rishi Sunak, and King Charles III during his surprise visit to London. He is due to travel to Paris to meet France's President, Emmanuel Macron, and Olaf Scholz, Germany's Chancellor. The death toll from the large earthquakes that struck parts of Turkey and Syria on Monday passed 11,000 and looks certain to rise further. Turkey's President Recep Tayyip Erdogan visited the Turkish provinces worst affected by the disaster. America, China, and countries across Asia and Europe sent specialized help to support the rescue efforts. International investigators said there were strong indications that Vladimir Putin himself approved the supply of anti-aircraft weapons that downed flight MH17 over eastern Ukraine in 2014 to the pro-Russian separatists who fired them. All 298 people on board the Malaysian Airlines flight were killed. Russia has denied involvement. Prosecutors said they could not bring criminal proceedings against Mr. Putin. The share price of Alphabet, Google's parent company, fell by nearly 8% after a demonstration of its new AI-powered chatbot underwhelmed investors. Called Bard, it answered one query inaccurately. On Tuesday, Microsoft unveiled an AI-enhanced version of its Bing search engine in an attempt to win market share in web search from Google. Uber reported higher-than-expected earnings in the final quarter of 2022, the first in which the American ride-sharing and delivery company carried out more than 2 billion trips worldwide. Overall, revenues rose 49% compared with the previous year, to $8.6 billion, above analysts' estimates of $8.5 billion. The company said record numbers of drivers and couriers are using its platform. Britain's competition regulator warned that Microsoft's $69 billion acquisition of Activision Blizzard, a video game developer, risks higher prices and less innovation for consumers. It suggested that the deal could go ahead if Activision divested parts of its business. Microsoft has called its concerns misplaced. Earlier, America's Federal Trade Commission said it would seek to block the deal. LeBron James, the American basketball player, broke a 39-year-old record to become the all-time leading scorer in the NBA. Mr. James, who plays for the Los Angeles Lakers, scored 38 points during his team's loss against the Oklahoma City Thunder. That took his career tally to 38,390, just above the 38,387 record set by Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. The previous top scorer, now 75, was in the stadium to see his record fall. And fact of the day. 8 million. The number of people displaced by Pakistan's monsoon flooding last summer. 
And now here's a deeper look at the day ahead. Zelensky goes to Brussels. Leaders of the European Union's 27 member states will convene in Brussels on Thursday. President Volodymyr Zelensky, who would dearly like Ukraine to become the bloc's 28th member, is expected to make a rare in-person visit. He is also due to address the European Parliament. On Wednesday, he made unexpected trips to London and Paris. For their 10th meeting in under a year, European leaders will discuss how to keep aiding Ukraine with weapons, cash, and one day, EU accession. Then they will squabble over migration. A surge in arrivals has prompted some countries, most recently Bulgaria, to demand the bloc build more fences around its outer borders. Ursula von der Leyen, the president of the European Commission, among others, feels that is rather too Trumpian. The EU also needs to argue how to respond to the giant green subsidies recently enacted by America. Fighting them with European ones is one possibility, but might undermine the EU's vaunted single market. Adani Enterprises reports its earnings. On Thursday, Adani Enterprises will report its results for the last quarter of 2022. It will be its first earnings call since Hindenburg Research critiqued the finances of the Adani Group, of which Adani Enterprises is a part. The Indian conglomerate has forcefully denied Hindenburg's allegations. Adani will undoubtedly use the event to try to assuage investors. On Monday, it announced that it would repay 19 months ahead of schedule a $1.1 billion loan that was taken out using shares in some of the group's companies as collateral. It was later reported that it had faced a margin call for $500 million. Yet shares in some of the group's companies continue to gyrate. The market value of the Adani Group has fallen by about half since the report. Its founder, Guatam Adani, has lost billions. India's Prime Minister Narendra Modi has been silent about the trials of Mr. Adani, a close associate and of his company, which plays a big role in India's infrastructure. Regulators are said to have asked Adani for information related to Hindenburg's claims, but it seems unlikely that Hindenburg's allegations will be proven or dispelled anytime soon. Big Changes at Japanese Carmakers Quarterly earnings reports of Japanese carmakers tend to be demure affairs. But on Thursday, Toyota and Nissan, Japan's first and third largest auto manufacturers, will announce their results amid an air of drama. Both firms recently announced major internal changes. Toyota replaced its longtime chief executive and grandson of the firm's founder, Toyota Akio, with Sato Koji, its chief branding officer and head of Lexus, its luxury label. On Monday, Nissan announced that it would restructure its alliance with Renault, a French car maker, so that the firm's stakes in each other are equalized. Both moves are intended to help the two companies navigate the shifting roads of the modern car industry. Despite being the world's top-selling car maker, Toyota has been laggard on electric vehicles under Mr. Toyota. Tapping Mr. Sato gives the company a chance to reset the narrative, and the marriage between Nissan and Renault had long been unhappy.
a looser union could give them the freedom to focus on their respective home markets. The State of South Africa Cyril Ramaphosa's annual State of the Nation speeches have tended to follow a pattern. South Africa's president, in power since replacing Jacob Zuma in 2018, tells Parliament that he will fix various problems. Power cuts, joblessness, investment-depleting red tape, and so on. Then, as a result of his own timidity, his rancorous ruling party, the African National Congress, and a weak bureaucracy, he does little or nothing about them. Blackouts in South Africa were worse last year than any on record. The unemployment rate remains stubbornly high at 33%. So when Mr. Ramaphosa gives his latest address in Cape Town on Thursday, he will speak to a deeply skeptical nation. He will pledge, again, to overhaul Exum, the state-owned energy utility. A cabinet reshuffle is in the works, but South Africans are tired of homilies from a president who has tarnished his own reformist credentials. The country is in a hole. To get out, it needs more than words. Rushdie returns triumphant with new book. At the end of Salman Rushdie's Victory City, the author's 15th novel, a magical storyteller proclaims that while regimes fall, stories survive. Words are the only victors. Few writers embody the spirit of that claim as powerfully as Mr. Salman. The Bombay-born author of Midnight's Children and the Satanic Verses finished his fable a few months before an attacker stabbed him in August 2022, leaving him blind in one eye and without full use of one hand. His latest book, published this week, is a historical chronicle of the Vijayanagar Empire of southern India that talks about the power of narrative art to prevail over violence and hatred. Its heroine, a poet queen, conjures a fabulous realm into existence, Fantasy and history converge. Sir Salman, who is still recovering from the attack, will not appear at promotional events. Still, the champion of free-spirited fiction who withstood both an Iranian fatwa and a violent assault claims the last triumphant word. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 GMT on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. Please note the way we choose winners has changed. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown three winners on Saturday. Thursday which 1953 film musical starring Ethel Merman features the song The Hostess with the Mostess. Wednesday, which female mathematician is generally regarded as the first to write a computer program? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Aletta Jacobs, who was born on this day in 1854. Fighting for what is right makes life worth living. That's the world in brief from The Economist. 
available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.